1: Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. It is a great joy and a great honor to present with, to you today an interview with Mr. Gary Johnson, two-term former governor of New Mexico, 2012 libertarian candidate for president, and potential 2016 libertarian candidate for president. We didn't have Mr. Johnson on to talk about his aspects in political office but also to talk about who he is outside and he's a serial entrepreneur he founded a construction company has employed a thousand people he's also a serial adventurist he scaled the highest peak in all seven continents including mount everest there's so much we can learn about mr johnson i'm so thankful that he was able to appear on our show he's a super nice guy so without further ado the Outer Limits of Intertruth Radio Show proudly presents an interview and soul analysis on Mr. Gary Johnson. Joining us now is Mr. Gary Johnson, former two-term governor of New Mexico, enthusiast, adventurer, and presidential candidate for 2016. He's going to be on the ballot in all 50 states. Mr. Johnson, truly an honor to be with you. Thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the program.
0: Ryan, great to be with you. And uh, just one correction to your introduction. I am seeking the Libertarian nomination for president. Okay. And if I if I get that, then uh, whomever the Libertarian nominee will be on the ballot in all 50 states. And that's a claim that only the Libertarian Party is going to be able to to make because of deadlines that have now
1: passed. Okay, correction noted. A lot of people say that okay, well, this presidential race is going to be between a Republican or a Democrat. Why do you feel that at some point in our history in America that people feel the need that they need to vote for two of the lesser evils? That they they feel that you know they should they can't vote for a third party candidate. They feel that they, they people keep on telling you that it's a waste of your vote. How do you respond to that?
0: Well, I, I think a wasted vote is voting for somebody that you don't believe in and. Uh, The table that's being set right now is that Hillary's going to be the nominee and Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. Arguably the two most polarizing figures in America, (laughs) Donald Trump has to go out and uh, and garner support, 30% of the far right. Hillary's got to go out and garner support, 30% of the far left. When 50% of Americans now declare themselves as independent, I think when you do the math, I think these two major candidates are going to fully represent 30% of the American electorate. I mean, this is a, this is a, a really unprecedented. I think in the past, it's been a vote for the lesser of two evils, and where has that gotten us? Uh, if, um, if this isn't a, a sea change, I don't know what is.
1: Okay, and when a person goes into that voting booth, and they vote for a person who's the antithesis of their core values and their, their core beliefs of what a free society is, do you feel that they're making an affirmation of self-defeat and self-disempowerment and further strengthening their own chains that kind of bind them?
0: I, I absolutely do. I think that uh, I think when you vote for somebody that you don't believe in, uh, if you're thinking there's going to be change that's uh, going to occur as a result of your vote, it's not going to happen. Vote for the person that you believe in. That's how you're going to
1: change things. When you've observed and studied nations that are living in democracy, nations that are living in tyranny or socialism, how well educated can we expect each of those different types to be, and what kind of education level collectively do you see America having as of right now?
0: Well, first of all, I think it's important for people to recognize that we do not live in a democracy. In a democracy, you can, you can vote yourself a raise, and that's been the demise of democracy. We live in a republic. A republic is governed by laws. The laws is the, uh, laws are the constitution of the United States. So we live in a constitutional republic. Democracy, like I say, the downfall of all democracies is, is that at some point, uh, people recognize they can vote themselves a raise. And really, uh, we are probably functioning more as a democracy than what we in fact are, a constitutional republic.
1: If you have a nation that's well-educated yet suffers from severe cognitive dissonance, and you have another nation of people that is poorly educated but perceives reality for what it is, which of those two nations do you feel is likely to survive the longest and why?
0: Well, Ryan, I think that, uh, that, uh, ignorance uh, has its own bliss and that, uh, long-term, uh, the nation that survives is the nation that, uh, is thinking and, uh, constantly, uh, turning its head, I guess, on things that haven't been working, uh, cognitive bliss. Hey, um, (laughs) my vote doesn't make any difference, so I'm not going to vote. And, uh, that's maybe perhaps where we've gotten to also, but look, Hillary Clinton, um, Donald Trump. Uh, is there anything about either of these candidates that uh, suggest that uh, things are going to change Hillary, arguably the epitome of establishment, the Clintons are establishment when it comes to uh, Democrat politics. And then Donald Trump, I've been in the Midwest, uh, Iowa, Midwest States. I've been in New Hampshire. I I've seen the group that is uh, uh, that group, Trump's core support, which is a group that believes that the uh, that the scourge of the earth has to do with Mexican immigration, and uh, I'm the voice out there saying that this is just that this is just crazy. Look, when it comes to immigration, these are the hardest working, these are the cream of the crop that are coming over the border. We should make it as easy as possible for these people to come into this country and work uh, if they so care to do and make that a work visa, not a green card, not citizenship, but a work visa.
1: And Gary, when you were governor of New Mexico, you cut taxes 14 times. You did a lot of things that – would be considered a dream of presidential candidates. Like people will say, well, you know, we, we want someone to go out and make these massive reforms, and I guess they're looking for Trump to do that. Yet, in comparing both of you two, I mean, there, there's there's night and day. You you've done it. You've actually led as a two-term governor and done these things. I'm kind of curious. Uh, why do you feel that people are giving people like Trump and people like Hillary Clinton, or even people who are on that debate stage? much more credentials and credibility that that they should have i mean you've actually done these things and these people claim in a you know short shell-like way that they're the people
0: well first of all i I get the uh, i get donald trump's pitch it's the same pitch i made to new mexicans which was (laughs) hey i'm this really successful business guy i've never been involved in politics before Um, I'm going to promise to bring a common sense business approach to state government, best product, best service, lowest price. But Ryan, in that context, I never said anything as crazy as I'm going to deport 11 million illegal immigrants. I'm going to build a fence across the wall, uh, across the border. That's that's crazy. I'm going to kill the families uh, of Muslim terrorists. Uh, This is Trump talking. I'm talking, I'm all free markets, but I'm going to force uh, Apple to make their iPads and their iPhones in the United States, and then I'm going to also direct the military uh, to disavow our Constitution and torture uh, detainees, on and on and on. And then on the Haley side, what changes? Nothing changes. The Clintons are the political establishment Uh, Certainly within the Democrat Party, nothing
1: changes. I want to take it back to 2012. I remember watching you at the Republican debate, and they asked you a question. Of all the other candidates, they gave the most profound answer. They asked you, what is the greatest threat to the United States? And you responded that the greatest threat was the crushing national debt. Now, when you try to explain this to people and they're not fully aware of, can you possibly explain – um, why it's such a threat, and also what happens when your money's current, when your nation's currency is no longer considered valid on the global market? What changes can we expect? Because most people aren't even aware of this.
0: Well, Ryan, to this day, I still uh, believe that nothing's changed. The greatest threats to our way of life is the fact that government is too big, it spends too much money, it tries to do too much, and as a result of that, it takes away our liberty and freedom because we end up having to pay for it. Uh, the debt, uh, it's going to, um, it's going to be $20 trillion when Obama leaves office. And guess what? It's not Obama's fault. It's Republicans or Democrats, regardless, taking office. So a formula needs to get reached to actually balance the federal budget. And you know what? Uh, the, the part that uh, a politician can control is spending. So, um, I would I would propose a, a balanced budget. I would do that in my first year in office. Uh, to do that would uh, would involve cutting uh, these programs by twenty percent, something that I believe is imminently doable, and uh, that people need to understand that the. Uh, that the alternative is is not having any of these programs. If in fact this system um, does melt down, and melt down would be a monetary collapse, we've got room here. I'm an optimist. Uh, we have room here uh, to make adjustments now and put this country in a in a position of strength, rather than a trend line that is pointing toward a catastrophe. Uh, so. Let's 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 get on it. Let's let's do it. Uh, It means a it means a. You can't predict a growing economy, but you can uh, vary from a common sense standpoint. You can reduce government spending and the role that government
1: has in our lives. Okay, and Gary, just want to add one more follow up question to that because people say, okay, well, cutting the budget sounds great, but it means that all these programs are going away. What? Is the long, what is the ultimate negative effect of defaulting on your debt? Like, what, what can the average person expect to happen if your nation defaults on its debt? Well, how does their, how does their life change?
0: Well, well ultimately, that, that is a monetary collapse. And a monetary collapse is when the money you have isn't worth anything. Uh, monetary collapse, uh, at some point, uh, occurs when, uh, in this case, the debt of the United States government is deemed to be, um, no good that inflation runs at a level that you can just extrapolate out and see that your money will be worth nothing over a fairly short amount of time. So the price of bonds literally dropped to uh, nothing. And in a monetary collapse, the government does not uh, announce that two weeks from Thursday, there's going to be a monetary collapse. So go will take all the money that you have and spend it right now because two weeks from Thursday, it won't be worth a thing. It just happens, and regrettably, it's not something that you're able to predict, and it will be the result of the accompanying inflation that, at some point, will go along with the fact that we are printing money uh, in today's dollars. We're printing 20 cents uh, out of every dollar that we're spending.
1: That's amazing. And. Gary, these next set of questions are going to be specifically about you. And one of the first things people notice when they come to your site is they see a picture of you. You're an American and you're in good shape. And want to know why are you very passionate about physical fitness and how do you inspire your fellow Americans who seem to love the couch and pizza to take on a passion for physical fitness?
0: Well, what, what, I, what I say, Ryan, is, is is find out what you have a passion for. Uh, that may be art. That may be golf. Uh, that may be reading. That may be writing. For me, uh, that's that's physical fitness. I, I really do believe that uh, when it comes to being fit, it's a, it's a combination of uh, exercise and it's a combination of diet, both of which I pride myself on. I, I believe that uh, short of an impact injury, that uh, I'm going to live to be a hundred years old, and that won't be by mistake. So. In my particular case, uh, my passion is athletics adventure. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, climb the highest mountain on each of the seven continents. That was not something done by mistake, but it's been a terrific way to see the planet. So if I may just uh, take one more step, and that is is to apply whatever it is that you know yourself entrepreneurially. Uh, By becoming an entrepreneur, and that is not an easy thing to do, but it will never be easier than tomorrow to do that. But by by becoming an entrepreneur, you're going to create your own job. Arguably, you're going to create a whole lot of other jobs, and the rewards uh, end up being uh, a hundredfold over working for someone else.
1: That's really great. That's a great answer, and I want to come back to you to what you just said about Nana Everest because apparently you started a business when you were in college, to pay your way through college, agreed to a thousand employees. What is your motivation in becoming a, a CEO? Like, is it something you have a natural flair for? Do you just enjoy, enjoy it? And what is this new company you're working with, a uh, marijuana-based company?
0: Well, uh, first of all, I got asked to be the uh, president and CEO of Cannabis Sativa mm-hmm. Incorporated. Now, I resigned that position the first of the year to run for president. It's something that, that they know about, but I'm very, I'm very, very excited and very, very optimistic about the future of the marijuana business, and I entered into the marijuana business uh, from the standpoint of this is an opportunity to make, <clears throat> make the world a much better place. On the medicinal side of marijuana, you've got these marijuana products that statistically don't kill anyone, and they directly compete against legal prescription painkillers, antidepressants, legal prescription drugs that statistically kill 100,000 people a year. seems to me like uh, if you can get the same re- pain relief or better pain relief from using marijuana, that you should be able to have that option. And then on the recreational side, I have always maintained that by legalizing marijuana, that it will lead to less overall substance abuse because people are going to find marijuana as such a safer alternative than everything else that is out there, uh, starting with alcohol. And I would like to point out that the, that the campaign in Colorado to legalize marijuana was based on a campaign that marijuana is safer than alcohol. At the top of your question, Brian, you asked, uh, hmm. You know, is CEO something that uh, that you're, you're born to do? Um, I tell people it's amazing what happens when you show up on time, when you do what you say you're going to do, when you do a little bit more for people than what you say you're going to do. It is a formula for success. And in business, I have learned share in the profits. Share in the profits, that is a magic formula to make the pie much bigger you, as the owner, uh, you take a much smaller piece, yet it's a much smaller piece of a much bigger pie. And then I've also told people that hiring and firing, the art of hiring and firing, it's really, really easy to hire people. It's extremely difficult. Maybe nothing is more difficult than firing people. But if you don't fire people, you end up out of business. Uh, you end up bankrupt because – There are a lot of people that really take your, take your profits right out the back door every night when they leave.
1: Do you encourage a lot of young Americans to start their own businesses? Do you feel that that is the one key thing to really grow the economy?
0: That is the one really key thing to grow the economy. And it's really one key thing that, that I don't think, um, for the most part, we, we are all aware of that at any Uh, stage in life. We can apply what it is that we do entrepreneurially. The the model of the future is Uber. The model of the future is Airbnb, that you're going to have the Uber doctor, you're going to have the uh, Uber electrician, you're going to have the Uber Accountant. you're going to have the Uber handyman. And that's exciting because it's empowering people, it's taking out the middleman Uh, It's allowing for direct payment of services to the individual uh, as opposed to uh, uh, an overlay of bureaucracy that puts money uh, in the pockets of those at the top and perhaps doesn't share equally with those uh, uh, that are the rank and file that are out doing the work.
1: And, Gary, I want to come back to the one uh, topic that you have climbed, seven summits. What has been your motivation to do that? What have those climbs taught you about yourself and about your life? And is it true that you actually climbed Mount Everest with a broken leg?
0: Well, I I climbed Mount Everest with a healing broken leg. I had broken my my leg uh, uh, severely uh, uh, about two months before I left for Mount Everest. So it was a healing broken leg. What I've learned is is, uh, uh, number one, something that I hear a lot. Gee, Gary, you conquered the highest mountain on each of the seven continents. Hey, I always say, let me be really clear, I did not conquer a single one of these. There was just a whole lot of good grace involved, and I'm very fortunate to uh, have been able to climb all of those peaks because there are just so many factors involved that are outside of uh, anyone's control if they go out to do this. And then um, I'm also asked, uh, you know, on, on some of these uh, climbs like in New Mexico, climbing the highest mountain here close to my home in New Mexico. Gee, you climb Mount Everest. And I said, and I say, do you know what the difference is between climbing Wheeler Peak at 13,600 feet and Mount Everest? And people, no, no, what's the difference? Nothing, nothing. It's one foot in front of the other, and it's just the perseverance. It's it's being healthy. It's being in a position that has given the right set of uh, of factors, meaning uh, good weather, um, all the above. That uh, there's there's a good chance you might succeed.
1: But you know these challenges. you, You know you're already well established. It's, most people, I guess, would sit down and say, well, "You know, I'd, I'd rather watch this on TV." Yet you do it. You, you constantly push yourself to, to take on these new challenges. What is the reason behind the uh, desire to, to seek these new challenges? And some of these challenges are, are life risking. I mean, people have died climbing the peaks that you have. So, what was your? Um, was it a personal motivation to do this? or What did you want to seek to do these things? Well,
0: this is this is how I have fun, and I think that people need to find out what it is in their lives that they have fun doing. And I genuinely have fun doing this. Uh, barring wow. getting elected president of the United States, uh, <laughs> I have plans next summer to ride the divide, which is a 3000 mile mountain bike race uh, across the continental divide from Banff, Canada to uh, Antelope Wells, New Mexico, which is the border of Mexico, uh, New Mexico, but 3000 mile uh, race, uh unassisted, uh, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a blast. I, I think it'll just be great. unbelievably in the moment.
1: Are there three things that you do to optimize your health? Are there three secrets that you utilize over the years or, or supplements or drinks or things that you've done that have had the greatest impact in your health that you'd be willing to share?
0: Just, just uh, understand that health is a function of exercise. The more exercise you get, I think the better your life is. Uh, it's a function of what you eat. It's the fuel that you put in your tank. Uh, the better food that you eat, uh, uh, the better it is that the, uh, that the engine functions. Uh, and then it's this uh, state of, uh, do you enjoy what it is that you do? Do you wake up every single morning and enjoy what it is that you do? And if you don't, Who's in control of that situation? Who can make changes to that situation? And, of course, the answer is you and I. We can make any changes we want, and as difficult as those changes will be, it'll never, ever be easier to make those changes than tomorrow.
1: What were the two hardest moments of your life, and how did you recover from them? Well, I,
0: I think the hardest period in my life was, uh, in the 1987, it was, it was in 1987, where I had a business that was absolutely exploding, and, uh, I was, uh, I was doing everything I could to keep up with the cash flow demands of my business. Uh, I felt like I understood suicide. Not that I was gonna commit suicide, but, the fact that, gee, was was death going to be any worse than the life that I was living, which was out chasing uh, all this money all the time and uh, trying, like I say, just, just a bankruptcy or success, really, a knife edge. Just uh, one way or the other, um, I uh, delegated authority to those underneath me. When I did that, everything got screwed up, everything. I hung with it. And it turned out that uh, it ended up being uh, my saving grace. So uh, that, that's really the worst thing in my life. Another worst thing in my life is I did uh, divorce my wife of almost 30 years uh, uh, after I was uh, being, uh, through being governor. And a short time after that, she died of a heart attack, which was just horrible. That was never meant to be. And personally, that's perhaps the worst Thing that's ever happened to me in my life
1: it wasn't supposed um, to happen I'm sorry but you know what it's interesting is that you know the, the you've had these hardships yet you've continued to persevere and you you've you know, inspired a lot of people and one thing I find it particularly amazing Gary is that you've been effective on a national scale of communicating to the Netflix and refrigerator generation you know, libertarian ideals how do you communicate these ideals in a way that a lot of these mainstream people and mainstream media professionals can't. How are you able to do it? What is the secret of communicating you know, libertarian ideals and, and freedom-based ideals?
0: Well, R- Ryan, you're giving me credit for something that I'm not taking any credit for. I, I really think that uh, having gotten 1% of the vote in 2012, 1% of the vote, that really this is a message that's not getting out. I do think that most people in this country are libertarian. It's just that they don't know it. Uh, 2016 right now, I'm, the goal is, is doing what you're talking about. I, I would not, I would be the last person to say that I have been uh, effective doing this. I do think that there is an opportunity right now for, uh, for potentially, um, the greatest uh, happening in American politics today. And that would be that the libertarian party, the libertarian nominee would be on the stage in the general election debates. That's the only way that a third party could win. And if that happened, uh, the audience for what it is to be a libertarian would be expanded by a hundred fold and potentially uh, win the presidency uh, if that were the case, uh, Libertarian becomes uh, one of the major uh, parties forever.
1: Gary, a lot of people when they're being, you know, they're running for president, they're being questioned about their spiritual beliefs, and you know, everyone's got to reveal who they are. I was kind of curious. You know, do you have a particular set of spiritual spiritual beliefs? Do you follow any religion? Do you follow um, any form of spirituality?
0: Well, I, I was raised a Christian. I was raised a Lutheran. And if there's, if there's uh, one one saying, if you will, that, that that I think epitomizes my life. It's just do unto others as you would have others do unto you, and that is a Christian virtue that I learned growing up, and it's something that I hold to today.
1: And do you have a, a regular intuition? Do you trust your gut in certain things? Is, there, is your you know gut feelings a guiding force to decisions that you make?
0: It, it is. It is. It is gut decisions, but it's uh, it's based on. Uh, individuality and freedom uh in the context of that individual uh, that individual liberty that individual freedom has to uh has to reside in, within a government and i think that go- government's fundamental role is to protect us against individuals groups corporations foreign governments that would do us harm ultimately government is force that's what it is but it's a force that should be used in defense uh not offense
1: Gary, you were a very passionate advocate of, this, of the vouchers. My understanding is that when you were governor of New Mexico, you gave people the opportunity to choose what kind of education system they want. As far as America goes for today, it seems that the education system is going down and people are not thinking critically. For a family out there that wishes to bring up their child in a well-educated system, what are some of the uh, best things that a parent can do to keep their child very well-educated in a system that is not necessarily offering the skill sets uh, needed to develop critical thinking and really questioning nature of reality?
0: Well, I, I do believe in uh, in bringing competition to public education. I do believe in free markets. I do believe uh, in free markets when it comes to uh, health care, uh, that uh, I, I reject the insurance model for healthcare. We would have insurance to cover ourselves for catastrophic injury and illness, and we would pay as you go in a system that would literally charge us Twenty percent of what is now being charged. If we were on a per cash uh, basis, the same principles can and should apply uh, to education. Uh, the Khan Academy—it's it's a free education, kindergarten through a doctoral degree in anything that you choose, and it is free. Uh, Bill Gates is a big sponsor of the uh, Khan Academy. But it's getting kids, or it's it's making kids recognize that they can do whatever it is that they want to do. Another thing, Ryan, that was never taught in school is is how to actually um, make money. Uh, uh, c- certainly, uh, education is taught, that in the context of how do you apply it? How do you apply it entrepreneurially? Uh, there's there's absolutely nothing taught on that, and, and this is not to take away from uh, teachers, but teachers are not uh, entrepreneurs, uh, and if you had a voucher system for, uh, for schools, and keep in mind, we, we have unit values that we're currently spending on every student, and when you consider that that unit value is, you know, $10,000 a year, that's $10,000 a year that could be directed Uh, at uh, educational entrepreneurs that would deliver better products, better services at much lower prices. I can imagine an ad that would that would uh, say, look, you haven't seen your child in three months. Don't care if you see him for the next three months. Send him to our school. We'll pick him up first thing in the morning. We'll deliver him home late at night. And you know what? (laughs) If you're not going to be there late at night, we'll have a contingency to keep him here at our facility overnight. We'll feed him and we'll teach him. And we'll do it all for just what you're currently paying right now.
1: I would be really interesting to see what kind of impact that would have if they would allow it to get out. Uh, Gary, we just have time for one more question. And the last question I'd like to ask you is this. What three individuals have had the greatest impact on the, on shaping the way you perceive the world and why?
0: Well, uh, gosh, I, I guess uh, without, without getting into uh, – Individual. Thomas Jefferson, I, I think uh, hero politically, uh, this is a guy who uh, appears to have been very humble and very, very well thought out, perhaps as highly educated as, or the most educated president that we've ever had uh, on the science front. Gosh, our lives are changing uh, virtually every day uh, because of scientific discovery and, and innovation. And it's, and it's, uh, it's a huge positive, um, in all of our lives. And then there, there is, uh, athletics. And I, this is just a personal, there are so many that have done so much and inspired. And it's, uh, always, uh, seems to have a base in humility and, uh, a base in hard work and, uh, And uh, just the uh, overarching uh, be the best that you can be, and you are in control of that.
1: Mr. Gary Johnson, it was truly an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for being with us. To learn more about Gary Johnson, please go to his website at GaryJohnson2016.com. Please keep an eye out for this gentleman because if he wins the Libertarian nomination, you'll see him in all 50 states in the U.S. Mr. Johnson, thank you so much.
0: Ryan, thank you very much, and hopefully uh, we'll be on again as this thing progresses
1: and see what happens. Thank you. Joining us now is the Astrofatum, our astrologer, Miss Constance Ellis. You can learn more about Miss Constance Ellis and get a reading with Miss Tellis by going to her website at com. Miss tellis what did you learn by observing Mr. Johnson's uh, astrological chart?
2: Yeah. Um. He uh, he's kind of the original cowboy here.
1: <laughs> the original cowboy. Yeah.
2: Um, by that, I mean um, wide open spaces, and he's an adventurer at heart, but he's a very serious one, you know, not like an adventurer that just kind of rides the, the railway hobo line or something in days gone by. Um, his sun sign is um, Capricorn, a serious sign, and you mentioned he may be uh, running for president. Capricorn is a frequent sign in U.S. presidents, not the most frequent, but it it counts up there. And his moon sign is Leo. Um, Leo has a talent for um, dramatizing himself or any cause that he is involved in. Very charismatic and lightens up what can be an over-serious tendency with the Capricorn. Um, What interests me about his chart is that he's kind of also like um, a steamroller. Once he decides on something, it must be. and very, very determined in that direction. Um, methodical, careful, gets the job done, with panache, uh, which is the Leo moon. And um, he has an exact trine between um, the sun and Jupiter. A trine is a triangle formation in astrology. And it's also at 11 degrees. Now, 11 is a master number. A lot of people call me and say, oh, I always notice when it's 11 11. Well, that could be a subconscious kind of feel like you're on the right path message. But when 11 is uh, twice emphasized in a chart, it means that the person not only is successful uh, in terms of the world, but there is a spiritual evolvement and development level to what he uh attempts to do so he's working on all levels uh, body mind and spirit and um he's no stranger to power having had powerful situations in this lifetime and uh past lives as well and maybe even in a past life he had a challenge as to the proper use of power um and uh, that has been, was, and maybe will be a lesson uh, in terms of his souls moving forward. But this is a, a good time for him. Um, his rising sign is, is Virgo, and Jupiter is currently in Virgo. So um, you mentioned that he's looking for you know, a third-party run for president, which considering the lunacy that's going on may be a very <laughs> good move. Yeah, actually,
1: I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. What um... – could he, theoretically speaking, because I think that people don't take for people don't realize that reality can change at a moment's notice. Yeah, like yeah. the biggest event in the history of the world could be a, an imminent, you know, moment away. Could he be in a position to be be considered a serious contender for president? What would, astrologically speaking, have to happen, or, can, or are we on a point right now where it could happen?
2: Thinking very realistic. Okay, let's put it this way: the Jupiter position in this chart. Which is um, inflaming Trump, um, uh, getting Bernie's hopes up, and um, moving Hillary along in her in her path. In in uh, Mr. Johnson's chart is uh, in the first house of expansion. So that does not necessarily mean bingo. He would get to be the president, but. By exploring it, declaring it, expanding his, uh, realm of influence and power, that is a very good thing for him to do. His chart shows two, um, uh, careers, and I, I, think you told me that he was, um, was a professional mountain climber or was that just something he did? No, that
1: was something that he, that he did. I mean, that was just yeah. a personal challenge he did. Yeah,
2: yeah. Capricorn rules all mountains. But there are two, careers, and maybe he's had two, and maybe this would be kind of related to his his other government uh, work, I I don't know. I mean, he should get his message out there. I don't know if in the current climate um, people will respond to another um, event in terms of this uh, political... No, yeah, well, the
1: thing is, is there an event that could happen? What I wanted to come back to is that question is that is there is there an event, astrologically speaking, that could happen that would actually kind of level the playing field or give him more of an opportunity? Because you said that he has a certain sign that was that's similar to president, so I'm thinking what would have to happen, astrologically speaking, in order for him to be considered or become a much more viable, visible candidate for president.
2: A total breakdown of the Republican Party where they can't get a nominee. Okay, um, and uh, or that the fighting is, is is so bad that it goes into illegal territory, uh, but the the classic danger for um, a third party candidate is that it weans um, votes away from um, one person or the other that should have probably stayed with that person, and nobody kind of ends up satisfied, but. Whether or not he declares, he should get his message out there right now.
1: Okay. I want to pause right there and just relate to the audience that they're always saying that you've got two candidates, and if a third-party person comes in, it weans off, you know, votes another way, but you have to realize that very few people actually vote. A lot of people don't actually vote in the election. A vast majority of people, I believe, don't don't participate in the election. So even if a small percentage of those vast majority that don't participate – actually got in and voted for a third party candidate probably amazed at what they could pull off
3: it
2: could be everybody should vote no matter who they choose but they should vote I mean it's disgusting in other countries you are fined if you don't vote and and I almost think that we should we should institute that it's not particularly democratic but you know just to get people off the couch and into the polls is terrible. <laughs>
1: Okay. You mentioned one thing earlier I want to come back to that you said Gary had two careers. Yeah. Is there What were those two careers? Was it one of them
2: well, was a, One of them was we know politics, but he also is a writer and a communicator and I don't know if that was a profession that he he pursued, but he has a lot of talent in that department.
1: Based on his trajectory in this lifetime, has he learned all the lessons he's here to learn? Is there more things he's supposed to learn, and do you have any idea of what his next life could potentially be?
2: Well, of course he has more things to learn. If he didn't have anything to learn, he'd be off in the in the great wild blue yonder. <laughs> so since he's around and we wish him health and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and success, he has more things to learn. As I said, his, his issues, if you want to use that word, were with the um, constructive use of power uh, encompassing other people's viewpoints rather than either dictatorial or by royal edict um, and um, that is something that he brings over this time uh, that he may um, I, what should I say fight against he may he may wrestle with in his own personality. Um, I mean if you take the model of a family, Uh, the the benevolent dictator says well you do it because I say you must do it well that doesn't work in the professional uh, world uh, in political world so that's something that his character um, flirts with uh, contends with and I would say that by the time he finishes this sojourn uh, on earth that next time around he will be Probably one of the most consensus building type of people that uh, could be.
1: Excellent. Miss Constance Tellis, the astrophenom. You can learn more about her by going to her website at constancetellis.com. That was a great analysis. And thank you so much, Miss Tellis.
2: My pleasure. My pleasure.
1: Joining us now is the queen of the universe and globally respected psychic medium and energy healer miss carrie o'connor you can learn more about miss carrie o'connor and get a reading with miss carrie o'connor by going to her website at carrie Ms. o'connor what can you tell us about gary johnson can you focus your attention on his energy the spirit?
3: Usually
4: when I focus and I start reading a person's energy, I'll just start seeing that he's got a lot of yellow, which is very common with people that are in politics and just creative business people. But what really fascinated me is that I was watching all these past lives as if I walked into a, uh, a TV store and seen seven or eight TV shows all at once. And that doesn't usually happen to me. The um, so one all at once, you know, and the first one that he pulled, pulled me into was lifetimes of politics, lifetimes of um, of being an explorer. I saw him turn into this Chinese old man, like a Confucius kind of guy, where people went from miles and miles to um, to hear him and he was wise and he also had a political pull there. Then I saw him in the most interesting one to me was Pontius Pilate time. He was on the um, the board there, or in the the group with Pontius Pilate, he was sat on the right hand of Pontius Pilate, which is his huge uh, uh, senior advisor, you could say.
1: So he's okay. We want a pause you right there. As far as Pontius Pilate, what was his position? Was he the was he telling Pontius, you know, like he- Jesus?
4: He said, what, he, what, what, you say? If he liked Jesus? Then was,
1: he, was he, on, when he, when you say he was an advisor to Pontius Pilate, was he one of those people that was telling Pontius Pilate to, to kill Jesus?
4: No, he was on the one that was giving him both sides because, you know, the more we, we read the history, Pontius Pilate really left it up to the people. He really, it was like a political thing for him to get attention. He's like, you guys kind of choose it. And what I saw he did, he was really pro, bringing out the pros and cons as a real trusted advisor. And he, uh, behind the scenes, he was telling him it wasn't a good move to do it. He was encouraging him not to. Um, he had a real strong feeling in his heart that that it would be starting this um, Christianity wave and it would end up coming back into his face. So um, I thought that was really interesting. So this guy is, is really um, trippy. I mean, I, when I see those influences, Ryan, so much, a lot of times I'll see one or two influences in a person's past life that's that's playing out in this life, a life lesson or talents that they bring in rarely do i see seven or eight or and i could even get into 12 of them so he's been around for a long time has achieved great um success in a lot of things he's had what i call the Midas touch whenever he puts his hands to something or puts his mind on something he has success so it's going to be really interesting what he does as far as um this year i think he's going to be a welcome um break for those people that are sick of the political Donald Trump Hillary um, Clinton kind of thing. So he's gonna um, I just especially when it comes to May and June of this year, I just I just saw him at the um, at the plate and kicking this great big huge kickball and the kickball then turned into the world. So he's just gonna be um, grabbing the world by the by, by the um, by its ear and yeah. really taking off with it. Yeah,
1: putting it you No, know, we we talked a lot on the show about the economic collapse or mm-hmm. the economic calamity about it potentially mm-hmm. happening. If there is an economic calamity um, you know, or something else that really kind of shakes the entire political system, social economic system, does that fall heavily in his favor or do you think that people in a panic will want to see a more authoritarian type figure who appears to be taking more of a control? Like, I'm just trying to see how that would play out or help or hurt Gary.
4: I think it would help him because he's done work. He knows how to cut things down, but he's also built things up, and he also stopped taxes when he was governor of um, of uh, um, New Mexico. They, did, they didn't raise taxes for six years, and then he educated. He was really promoting school vouchers. So he has a little bit of everything for appeal. Like a lot of people want to hear, no um, taxes. He was even talking about... Um, I thought this was really interesting, Ryan. He wanted to get rid of the Federal Reserve. He wanted to investigate the Federal Reserve company um, business. And a lot of people don't know that's a privately owned business. So they hear Federal Reserve and they think it's um, government. And it's not. It's a privately owned um, company there, which really affects our economy. So I And I keep on seeing June, end of May, June of this year, um, he's going to really take the, the world, the globe, and, and make a huge kickoff, and people are going to be listening to him. So it's going to be interesting.
1: Okay, for his lifetime, are there any burdens that he's carrying in this lifetime that he that are that have carried over from a previous lifetime, or are there any challenges that he's facing this time that he's still trying to work work through right now?
4: Well, you know what's interesting is the lifetime that he had with being the advisor of Pontius Pilate. And I just saw this image of a big, huge cross in somebody's energy fields, And that means to me somebody that in that life he really could have um, uh, really felt strongly. with was, a, he was trusted advisor. Usually Pontius really listened to him and kind of actually gave him a lot of power to make decisions. And Pilate just kind of put the, his stamp of approval on it. So that lifetime in particular, he felt personally like it was a, a punch in the stomach because it was of the ch- turnout that um, that happened that he went against him, and that um, and actually, I'm seeing shortly after that he ended up leaving that, or was shamed, or or all of a sudden he was like a broken man after that um, that decision. It just there was a bad fallout, so there was a lot of shame there. So he comes in with a strong burden of wanting to give the voice he could say for the underdog and also having to um, not have uh, people like um, symbolically, feel like symbolic life is a struggle and sacrifice he really is one of these advocates that want to he's not going to give handouts but he wants to be passionate and light people's fire and, and ignite them and get them excited about things and and really um do the best that they could do. So that's a strong advocate energy. And right now we need advocates that are not going to give again handouts. They're going to really have people accountable and responsible of how they're directing their life force and, um, and be responsible, you know? So it's going to be interesting, interesting okay. guy.
1: He's finished the guy.
4: Yeah.
1: And as another quick question I have for you, Mr. Connor is do you have or sense any energy resonance with Mr. Johnson and other previous elected officials throughout the history of the United States or even uh, people who have been considered advocates of freedom throughout the course of American history or global history?
4: Well, it's interesting. As soon as you started forming that question, I saw Abe Lincoln standing there, his right side, which is interesting. He comes in very, very tall. He's tall, Abe. and he hands his hat down to him. So there is a part of, um, he's getting the Abe, um, Abe Lincoln influence. And I just read this article about Abe when he was, um, the big fight he had for, uh, years with, uh, the Democrat person, I didn't realize how, how, um, how much he had this struggle with this one, um, Democrat guy in particular. So he gives him the support. And I also saw way up in the beginning, up above his head, um, Martin Luther King. So that goes along with him as the archetypal energy, as 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 the as the advocate for people, you know, to really have them be accountable. Take, you know, look at look at your surroundings. What are you doing? What are you doing to make a difference in the world? So he has that strong energy with him too.
1: Interesting. Miss Carrie O'Connor, the Queen of the Universe and globally respected psychic medium and energy healer, thank you so much for your great analysis of Mr. Gary Johnson. To learn more about Miss O'Connor and to get a reading with Miss O'Connor, please go to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Thank you so much, Miss O'Connor.
4: Thank you, Ryan. It's always a pleasure.
1: Joining us now is the angel reader, psychic medium, and past life reader, Miss Laura Lynn. You can learn more about Miss Laura Lynn and get a reading with Miss Laura Lynn by going to her website at angelreader dot net. Miss Lynn, what can you tell us when you analyze Gary Johnson? What stuck out of your mind?
3: Well, I got to tell you, it was really hard to get any information when I was channeling or meditating, rather. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, explained to you I wasn't capturing anything and. Until I sat down again and went into spirit energy about it, and all of a sudden I started seeing vision after vision after vision of males uh, throughout the centuries. Uh, Regarding the man that I was capturing the last lifetime, looked like he was here about 100, 150 years ago. A homesteader, he would go from village to village, just kind of grow, grow his space, grow sure. his.
1: Where was he, uh, what, uh, what country was he in? I
3: was getting here, here in this country. Okay. I, yeah, so I was getting that he would, uh, it feels like he was um, Irish, and, uh, and I'm talking about like a hundred years ago probably, and he, he came from Ireland, is from what I'm capturing, came here, started working on the canal system and then started just homesteading and decided he just wanted to track it, track the country and really discover what the country was about and feel like he was really good in trading. And, uh, it doesn't feel like he became rich, but, but he was rich as far as his ambition of life and, uh, just uh, he he always wondered what was around the other corner. Wait, now,
1: now, this sounds this sounds like a, a similar lifetime because like in this life he's very adventurous and this last life he sounds very adventurous. But what would be the uh, main soul lessons of both lifetimes?
3: You know I understand that he climbed the highest peaks around the continents, you know around the world, and I would say that with that energy, you know he wants to keep pushing, 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 pushing himself to get to the highest level possible. And I would say that's amazingly inspirational. And regarding his lifetime, I feel like he didn't uh, he didn't spread that that wisdom maybe far enough. Maybe he I feel like he if he missed anything in the last lifetime, it was to share the wealth of that wisdom that he was gaining from the travel. And this lifetime, it's all about sharing the, the wisdom of the travel. Uh, and I'm not talking about sharing the, how amazing it is to, to see the different places. I'm talking about the wisdom that he garnered in his heart, uh, about the, what it means to, to meet a goal. And, uh, he, you know, he's, he's amazing. He's an amazing man. And I feel like he can, help inspire others to reach their own individual goals through his inspiration. I I want
1: to ask you something. Of all these lifetimes that he's he's led, and coming back to this one now, are there any spirits that are surrounding him, that are inspiring him, that are currently working with him? Um, Does he have anything in his energy field that suggests a person that has some unresolved matters in this lifetime that he's actively trying to work through?
3: I don't get anything about the unresolved matters. Um, I am getting that there is a strong shamanic type helper working with him. Uh, going back into the plants and the magic of, you know, the energy of the elements, you know, he works through the elements. That's what he does now. And it does seem that this shamanic guide is, is certainly assisting him.
1: Curious to know, did you ever uh, find that, or have you found that Gary Johnson has any energy similarities or energy resonant similarities to people who are considered the founding fathers of America or other people throughout the course of history that have been very freedom-minded? Okay,
3: I don't know about freedom-minded, but what came in during meditation was Hamilton's energy, and I... I I have to say that typically I don't get names of people from past lives. They don't come through that way. But the energy of Alexander Hamilton did come to my consciousness when I was in meditation. Oh,
1: sweet. I want to verify. Are you saying that Gary Johnson was Alexander Hamilton in a last lifetime or could the implication be that? Gary either knew or worked with Harry Alexander Hamilton. Was an admirer of him? Was he a relative of him? Like, what are you feeling a stronger inclination?
3: I feel like spirit is bringing me something that there's some type of essence that is the same, uh, same as Gary.
1: Miss Laura Lynn, the angel reader and psychic medium, past life reader. Thank you so much for your analysis of Mister Gary Johnson. It was great. To learn more about Miss Laura Lynn and get a reading with Miss Laura Lynn, please go to her website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Ms. Lynn.
3: Thank you, Ryan.
1: Joining us now is the clairvoyant cowgirl, psychic, medium, and empath, Ms. Lisa Kaza. You can learn more about Ms. Lisa Kaza and get a reading with Ms. Lisa Caza by going to her website at lisacaza.com. Miss Kaza, what can you tell us about Mr. Gary Johnson?
5: Well, Ryan, I am going to make an admittance here. I'm going to have to say that Mr. Johnson would be the well, aside from Mr. Jimmy Carter, he'd be the first politician that I just absolutely love to meet that I'd want to meet. Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: You, you, you tell me he's like he's like he's a good one.
5: He is. He's a good one. He's a good guy. And he comes in like a... I I'm. I get shown like the scales of balance and justice whenever I hear it, just hear the energy vibration of his name. So okay. he, he's all about truth and honor and justice, balance and fairness. And so I looked at um, Mr. Johnson's birthday. And so he's coming into what's called... Uh, a personal year 11 for 2016. Now, a year 11, it's a master number in numerology. And it's all about, you know, personal spirit growth and opportunity to serve others, intuition, revelations, visions, soul growth and enlightenment, that kind of thing. Now, what I found is extremely interesting is that his full birth date, is also master number 11. So the same number. So basically, what Spirit's trying to tell me is that at this point in time, Mr. Johnson has literally come full circle. And so this year, and for likely many years to come, he's going to be focusing on more of the spiritual side. He's going to be living more in a more spiritual vibration than what he has in previous years.
1: You know, what is the definition of living a more spiritual? you talking about, is he doing more meditating, is he going to do more, <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, holistic style of medicine? I mean, all of the above,
5: are, all of the above, okay. because uh, he'll be looking for, like he's all about truth, so he's going to be seeking truth too, but spiritual truth. So. I'm going to have to say it's not ironic or any coincidence at all that he's come on to our show. I believe that his appearance on our show is basically the beginning for him, the beginning of his more profound spiritual journey in this lifetime. Now that he's pretty much, you know, he's put out there to the world, like his purpose of being that go-giver, go-giver, go-getter, pardon me, um, you know, and standing up for oneself and your beliefs and all that, and living life to the fullest. Now that he's put that out there, which I feel a lot of people, you know, have got from him along with the truth and honor and justice, now it's time for him to turn inward and look for his own inner truth and balance and justice. That's what's, what, what's called, you know, coming full circle. This is what this Master 11 in numerology is all about.
1: You said this was a master. Year. Do you think there's a there's a chance that he could become president?
5: It's funny you say that because the next thing I almost forgot, there are actually a lot of different inventors and artists and leading figures in history who have a 11 life path number. Yeah. So I had I wrote down that there's three in particular I found very interesting. There's Prince William, Bill Clinton, and Ronald Reagan were all number 11. Uh, Life numbers as well. So I would really love to see Mr. Johnson become president someday. He definitely has the uh, capacity to do so. It's actually ingrained within his spirit to be a leader. So I'm going to have to. Well,
1: well, because he's got those things, but the circumstances of the external world, the way things are happening right now, where it seems that the world is maybe moving towards. Um, you know more restriction on a on a greater scale. What would the circumstances have to be in the external reality, our, our world today, that would be ripe for Mr. Johnson to seize an opportunity to become president? Um. Of the United States, by the way. Well, the people of the world listening to the show.
5: <laughs> um, I'm not being given an answer for that, and I think mainly it's because. Uh, divinely speaking, I don't think Mr. Johnson is actually meant to be president, but perhaps in the next lifetime he will be. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's only because um, whatever conditions that are required for him to do so, it, it's just right now, if he were to become president this year, mm. it, it would take too much of a toll on him physically. Do you think that
1: right now the office of the President of the United States that in in order to let's see squeeze into that office, do you have to lower your vibrational frequency? Does the office itself carry a lower dense vibration whereas somebody who's more dignified was a higher vibration is an incompatible match? I'm curious to know if it's just it's more of a uh, vibration vibrational uh, match. You can't get a match with somebody who's really dignified that the office has become too tarnished over the years.
5: Um, it's not necessarily, you know, needing a higher vibration. It's, I think it's more got to do, it actually does have to do a lot more with the emotional and psychological self at this point. Okay. It's really got nothing to do with the spiritual vi- vibration, not from what I'm understanding. And so for, for Mr. Johnson, I just feel that it would be, like you said yourself, it's too dark at this point. And so if, if he were to get in there now, it would take too much of a toll on him, so we would re- we need someone that's stronger psychologically and emotionally. Not necessarily, you know, on a lower frequency, as you, as you were saying, mm-hmm. but it, they do need to be stronger emotionally and to handle it. Yes,
1: but I'm curious that like Mr. Johnson scaled Mount Everest and he scaled seven other summits, and he's he's taking all these physical challenges. You remind, I mean, I, that's when I think physical. about Mr. Johnson, <laughs> Yeah, I imagine it's emotional too. I mean, some of the things that he's done, I, I see a lot of uh, Richard Branson type. You know, I mean, I, I see like a lot of Richard Branson because I'm reading a lot about Branson, and I just see so many like uh, qualities that he's got. This really good sense of adventure, and I, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like the challenges that he's undertaken, that he's he's gone through, would have to inquire require so much more mental endurance. Then these are typical politicians, because you typical politicians, you, you take the pay, you take the you take the envelope, and you do what they you're told. And this guy, he doesn't have to. I mean, he he's he's climbing mountains, and he's in his like I, don't know, I think it's the early 60s, and he's gonna do a, a 3,000 mile bike ride.
5: Right. But what you got to understand too is that a, you know, again, firstly, the 3,000 mile bike ride, that's it is more physical in nature. But you know, he does receive emotional and spiritual benefits from it it heightens his, him very much however a person can only take so much hits you know what i mean by that they, they can only take so much crap before, you know it does wear a person down like uh you know a lot of people have said to me oh you're such a strong person i don't know how you've gone through all these years blah 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 well, guess what? I'm not as strong as what I used to be. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, it kind of along the same lines. It, it's just right now I believe that Gary is more working working towards more for his own spiritual uh, balance and fulfillment as opposed to being in, of service to others. He's He's done his part with that for the most part. I do still see him being involved in it. But it's just taken, you know, it has taken a toll on him emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically. And again, like,
1: a person can only take so much. And Well, so, I want to ask you this. As far as some of the things that are taken so much, are there any spirits that actively communicate with him right now? Are there any issues or challenges that he's personally trying to overcome in his life right now? Right, and also, are there any messages that are coming um, from the world of spirit that they're, they're trying to communicate with them? Are there any messages specifically for him?
5: Um, well, there is one thing here that I was getting that um, he, he has really extremely high expectations of himself. He's very critical of himself. And so that can lead to a lot of inner frustration. And and a lot a lot of um, spirits such as, as Gary's has kind of the same thing. He needs to learn to just let go and let be, let himself be. He's his own worst critic, in other words. And he needs to show more empathy towards himself. He shows nurturing and caring to everyone else. Now he needs to show it to himself to be to be um, more balanced and and fulfilled. What was the other question?
1: <laughs> and the question was, is there anything right now that he's trying to overcome that he's having a hard time overcoming or he's, it's a challenge for him?
3: Well, that
5: well, what I just said there. Yeah. You know, having too, too high of an expectation of himself. He's extremely critical of himself. So he needs to um, let, let go of that and have more compassion towards himself. That's the main thing that I pick up.
1: Anyway. Okay. And actually there is another question I have, the final question I have for you, Ms. Kaza, is if somebody looks at Gary Johnson, they respect him, they wish to learn from him, what kind of vibration does Gary Johnson have? Like what kind of vibrational frequency does he have and how are there any individuals that you would compare it to as a similarity or, or point of um, contrast?
5: Well, like I said, this goes back to um, the numerology because it pointed me to the kind of spirit that he has. So the master number 11 of his of his um, life path, life path 11, is, um, as, again, a master number, and it is actually one of the highest vibrations or frequencies. And it's it's all about, um, you know, a, a very inventive deep thinker's um, can see things a uh, great deal behind the scenes. So he, he's, um, but also again, very intuitive. He may even have some psychic aware, awareness going on. He may not quite know what it is yet, but he will, I think, relatively soon because, as I said, he's embarking on his own spiritual journey now at this point.
1: Miss Lisa Kaza, the clairvoyant cowgirl and psychic medium empath. Thank you so much for your well-thought and very wonderful analysis of Mr. Gary Johnson. To learn more about Miss Lisa Kaza and to get a reading with Miss Lisa Kaza, please go to her website at lisakaza.com. Thank you so much, Miss Kaza. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Want to give a special thanks to Mr. Gary Johnson. Also, want to give a special thanks to Mr. Joe Hunter, Gary's publicist, who was very kind enough to set up this interview. Also, want to thank, as always, our great virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends. Wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what
0: you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product Availability